out there, Holy Hour listeners. This is the Holy Hour podcast, the all-cure bi-weekly podcast. How's it going? I'm Gavin. Thanks for joining us. Joining us on this last Monday before the end of summer. Yes, summer ends on Saturday. It's pretty much... Uh, phasing out i think at this point we are officially in the death rattle of summer 2018 and um you know i think a lot of us are probably ready to move on at this point um the time of recording this anyway it's still hot as balls out there and um you know it doesn't really feel like summer's over but it's done it's that whole transition from this time of year i think never outgrow how this uh time of year always just seems to be when everyone kind of buckles down and starts something new or uh, just kind of really refocuses on their work or their school. And I think it is kind of just buried in our heads from uh, when we were just little children and we had to go back to school and that feeling of the end of summer. It's been a weird week, man. I, uh, I had to send my little guy off to kindergarten and I've been dealing with that. And uh, as anybody that's been in that situation, it's a... Uh, I don't know, it's all those cliches and stuff there, like, oh, they grow up so fast, which are definitely true, but that's not even the part that really, like, was hitting me. I mean, he's so young and excited about it all that he's been a pro. He's just, you know, like, whatever, excited. I just want to wear my backpack and go. Seems to be having a blast. He's doing great. Um, Initial fears, just putting him on, like, a bus and waiting for him to come off of a bus. I mean, it's not the safest thing in the world, you know? So I'm a little worried. I've been, like, my whole, every minute of my life for the past five years has been to make sure this boy stays alive and uh, does the best that he can do. And, uh, you know, you're sending him off. It's a bit terrifying. And uh, he's doing great with it. So, like I said, he's doing better than me, I guess. But I'm easing in now. Um, I uh, and, and it's just like that idea of starting school. You know, I kind of didn't want to like let any of my personal feelings ruin his excitement for it. You know, but uh, definitely a huge part of me kind of felt like I was sending him off to a 13-year prison sentence, just because I was not a very big fan of school in any degree. Definitely later on. As we've hinted at, and being a Cure fan, I think it probably goes without saying. But um, yeah, just that, I think it was around second grade. I definitely remember the, the specific day. It was raining out in the morning. I was tired. I got off the bus, and I was walking to my class, and I thought, wait a minute. This sucks. I don't want to be in this building. I don't want to be around these kids. I don't want to learn this stuff. I don't want to, I'd rather be at home playing with my brothers, doing stuff I want to do. And that feeling kind of stuck with me. It's sad. Some people were just naturally into like like going to classes and education. I like learning, of course, and I love doing new things and learning new things. But, man, something about the classroom setting just drives me crazy. And, uh, you know, as I learned to move on and uh, deal with it, it was not that big of an issue. But it always was like, you know, not... It's like exercise, you know? It's like you kind of have to do it. And, you know, if, you, if you're smart about it, you figure out a good way to do it where you still kind of even enjoy it and or at least enjoy the outcome of doing it. But uh, the process, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to really wants to run for five miles, right? But you do. 
I don't know. Maybe at some point you can trick yourself into enjoying it too. And all the power to you if you could do it. But uh, yeah, I just was not a great student. I mean, I always got decent grades, but uh, not exceptional, but not even just skimming by. Usually nice in the middle, as you would have guessed about me. So anyway, I don't know. It's just that time of year. And uh, what better time of year to uh, focus on a song. We're going to jump ahead in the timeline a little bit. We do a song episode. This might be the first song episode that we've ever done that is not a single. I'll have to double check that, but I think this is uh, the first non-single um, featured song on an episode. And it's the last day of summer, released off of the album Blood Flowers in 2000, track 5. It's uh, got a running time of 5 minutes, 36 seconds. Because it's not a single, there's not a lot of uh, scoop floating around. There's no chart stuff to worry about, and there's no uh, video to talk about, per se. So it's a, it's a little weird one, but I think it's one that no matter where you stand on Blood Flowers, like we've said at this point, from about 96 up, are definitely the most like hit-or-miss albums for The Cure. There's a lot of fans that go either way. Um, you know, I feel like for the diehards, Bloodflower is kind of a return to form. Of course, we'll get into all that with the album review. But um, uh, there's still a lot of people that didn't really go crazy about Bloodflowers, myself included, really. I never didn't didn't like it, but I, it was a little like, eh, I don't know. And it, maybe it is just like the pairing with pornography and disintegration too much kind of hurts it, you know? But at the same time... I've learned to love it more over the years, and even probably the duration of this podcast, if you listen to the episodes early on, I was probably harder on Bloodflowers than I gradually am now. Um, I feel like it's one, maybe just because I didn't constantly listen to it the way I do other Cure albums, um, it's nice to have something to come to that is slightly fresh still. Um, but with all that in mind... Um, Last Day of Summer, I feel like, is definitely the shining moment on this album. And probably, and we'll put it to the test with the bad boy when we talk about this album, but I feel like no matter where you're at with The Cure with Blood Flowers, you have to like Last Day of Summer, right? I don't know. if Is it possible to not like this song? It's so beautiful. It's great. And it has everything that The Cure has perfected over this amount of time in their career. And... um it's just a song that really takes everything into consideration, musically, lyrically, all of it, the mood. It uh, it just has that perfect kind of sad Robert vocal that that I feel like that the next two albums on don't really have too many songs like this where it's just what I love about The Cure. You know, I love the overly poppy stuff and I like the super dark stuff, but um, it's just kind of that slightly defeated... <sighs> Robert that I love you know and uh, somehow the guitars always match it you know that's why Disintegration still holds up so much and I feel like this song honestly could be in that category of dis Disintegration quality song just got like the perfect balance of like the riffs where it has those intertwining riffs like the, the guitar part comes in and the bass is doing its thing that sounds great and then it'll just out of nowhere a crossing over guitar line will come in when you could have totally just gotten by with one of those awesome guitar parts but you know those little do -do 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 kind of things come in and um 
you know, it's just, they're all over disintegration, but it's, you know, it gets a little fewer and far between as we get from about 2000 up. Um, but I feel like this one's got it all. And, uh, maybe one of the technical wise discussion of last day of summer, the, um, it's got more acoustic guitars going cause that kind of carries over from wild mood swings within like most or anything off of disintegration. Um, so it kind of has that more, you know, patterned. It's a little more obvious that it's like a Jason beat too, you know, and it's got an acoustic guitars. So that kind of carries it out of like old school cure feeling, but at the same time really does show everything that Robert as a songwriter has learned from the start and progressed it into like an amazingly somber and, and beautiful song. Um, I don't know. I think it's one of those ones that like really captures going back to like my idea of being sad in the end of summer because you're going off to schooling, you know, for my boy. Not so sad yet, but it's going to come. And I remember just that feeling of like, ugh, you know, like especially by the time you get to middle school or something in the last day of summer. Oh, man. And this song captures that perfectly. And it's like most great cure songs where you can plug so many situations into it you know you can make it just literally about that like feeling of slight defeat or the end of summer and um and the maybe the idea of even relationships because um you know the idea it reoccurs through life i've had a situation short version wise where it was a uh an x and it was a nice long summer relationship and I knew it was basically going to come to end as soon as she had to go back to school and uh distinctly remember listening to the song because I'm a melodramatic bastard I think it was all of Blood Flowers I wasn't just repeating the song but after that last drive home alone you know I was just like uh this is over there's no way we're gonna make this last you know I was able to stretch it out for a little while but uh the song kind of always lingering in my head and uh definitely provided the the soundtrack for that you know, chapter of my life for sure. And, um, you know, then it goes on and on. And now again, right before my kid was going off to school, I was listening to this song and, uh, it just matches whatever the mood, you know, it's like these care songs are so personal to your heart and you, you have so many great memories tied into them, but then they go on to like still be solid enough to, uh, add some new memories for better or worse to these great songs and uh yeah i can't i can't really say enough good things about this song one of the huge factors of blood flowers too as a whole is fits along the bill of disintegration and with the trilogy of how it's a huge age album again and i'm you know just a timeline marker for robert smith um turning 40 and this song in particular really uh captures that idea of the metaphor of summer's ending the summer of your youth is over you know and uh so it's not even relationship sad and leaving your girlfriend on the beach kind of feeling or whatever you know and uh it's it's more of you know you slowing down as the years go by i know it's a different song but um you know what i mean and it and it really does paint that metaphor perfectly as well and um i feel 
like this song in particular really does just show the strength of blood flowers in that regards and and i wish it had more of that really um and you know is like the anchor to blood flowers in a sense because it's technically just a track five deep cut but i mean and they you know they played the thing where it didn't have a single and this definitely wouldn't fit as like an obvious single but i mean in this part in your career why not make it a single they're not gonna play any of these on the radio anyway you know like uh maybe make like a radio edit or something to trim it down a little bit but i mean fuck it why not this technically could be a single i, I think hopefully uh I don't know. It's a, that whole idea of like, why is your single have to be the peppy, catchy song? You know, they kind of would love song. Eh, I guess that's catchy. Am I rambling yet? A little bit, but that's okay. I think this should be a single for what it's worth. I don't know. I feel like out of this world and, and uh, maybe someday kind of got the honorary singles for this uh, album, even though I don't think an official single was ever released. It was just kind of radio promotion suggestions. But this song's fucking solid. I feel like it's definitely a shining moment on the album where there's a few not-so-shining moments. And um, luckily, we got some good contributions to share with you guys, too. Um, since I'm kind of just rambling all over the place. Like I said, there's not like a lot of facts or anything to go along with this song, but I feel like it's just production-wise pretty solid. Could have gotten a little weirder with it, maybe. Um, I think everything production-wise for The Cure... While Mood Swings Up, I'm not, like, totally in love with. But at the same time, um, if the song's good enough, like this is, I feel like it doesn't matter so much. And there's no real bad way to record this song. Um, but I just love the the way it flows and the pacing of the song. And it's one that really fared well, too, on the uh, Torn Down recently. Um, I definitely hinted at that at various times in those episodes. But... Um, I feel like even just adding like a cooler remix version to this song uh, really shows what a great song it is, and you, you could manipulate it a bit more and do different mixes. Yet another reason why it should have been a single, right? You could have thrown some weird mixes or some change up the mixing on it a bit and see what you got. But uh, I don't know. It's just a great song. It probably would work really great acoustic, just solo acoustic even if you wanted. Um could have weirded it up some more, you know, like lower the vocals and throw some more delay on there, Faith style or something, tons of reverb. But, I mean, it's still got that classic Cure sound for sure. If you listen to this song, there's pretty much no denying who it is, if anybody is even slightly familiar with the Cure. But, um, yeah, let me backtrack. We did get some great contributions for this uh, episode, too. So, um, happy to say that I got a great email from Bella was able to articulate what I've been trying to say for the last so 15 minutes or so uh, way more eloquently. So uh, here's what Bella wrote. I think this is another example of Robert feeling and having always felt well beyond his age. Perhaps because he feels experiences so intensely, he becomes bedraggled by the transitions. Take the idea of growing old, which he has claimed to be doing since his 20s, or suggesting that the cure would cease to exist more times than any fan wants to think about or changes in the season, even. It's a bit like walking a wire between the inevitable and the current moment, all while constantly looking down. You ought not to be doing that exact thing, but you can't stop looking. Maybe it helps him to cope by continually screaming into the abyss. For me, Bloodflowers was certainly influential, likely because of timing, 
and the last day of summer served as a severe reality check into emerging adulthood where you can smack straight into the realization that you have lost some of the wonder and magic of childhood and crashed into feeling insignificant and redundant in a big and scary world. A world where things like love and people are metaphorically and literally lost. People die, relationships turn sour, life changes. And from the existentialist perspective, that does not leave anyone much to look forward to. How glum. Cheers, Bella. Thank you, Bella. And yes, that is pretty fucking glum, but but thank you. That is exactly what I was trying to articulate when uh, comparing it to my stories of, uh, you know, that idea of losing some of that childlike wonder is totally captured in this song, too, and the innocence of all youthfulness, in a sense. Um, you know, like saying, when, I, when, when that relationship was clearly over before it was over, and uh, and then, you know, the idea that my kid even is transitioning um, from the last day of summer into a whole new world and uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty glum but at the same time you know hopefully new things like i said at the start of this just because something ends doesn't mean that the uh next thing around the corner isn't going to be much better so the the optimist side of me will try to cling to that but i mean this is a pretty pretty fucking gloom song really um and you know of course that's why we love it i think <laughs> but uh but uh yeah there isn't much uh hope and such in the song you know um but uh which probably would make it a, a very uh down single but i've never understood why singles can't be sad you know songs i mean grant's like five minutes and 36 seconds too so it's a bit long maybe they would have to trim it down or something there should be more glum singles i think out there right i mean everybody a ballad and stuff is occasionally released as a single but uh just full-on sad song you know anyway let's move on to another contribution this time from someone that uh we haven't heard from before on the show so a, a new listener we welcome kelly and uh let's hear what kelly has to say about the last day of summer hello my name is kelly kerr and I'm a fan of The Cure. I'm here to give some perspective on the song The Last Day of Summer from the album Blood Flowers. And uh, before I really talk about the song itself, uh, you know, I want to uh, mention a few things that relate to the album itself and relate to the song itself. One of those things being that The Cure was never in exclusive band they were more of an all-inclusive band especially with their fans and the music itself inspires people to come together rather than be apart so it, it's interesting that a lot over the years a lot of the songs are you know people kind of think of them as sad and depressing and because uh, they're the songs about like loneliness and things like that. Um, but I don't find anything really depressing in any of that or sad in any of that. Um, a song about loneliness doesn't necessarily mean 
uh, singularity. It it's a it's a subject that can be relatable, being that the uh, cure kind of taps into those uh, relatable emotions that we all have, whether we're fifteen, twenty, or fifty. Uh, the music and the lyrics in the band inspires people to come together rather than to be apart. So with that being said, it brings me to another conclusion. In 1997, The Cure released the the galore greatest hits. And just one year after um, Wild Mood Swings. And so I always looked at uh, that year with the band as being kind of a turning point because that's when my generation or age group sort of uh, turned to them and the previous generation or age group sort of turned away. Me and my friends, we we did not discover The Cure until, you know, sometime around the mid-90s uh, after between the Wish album and the Wild Mood Swings album, but it was the galore greatest hits and the album Blood Flowers that I think that gave us all something to kind of uh, uh, rally around because it was new. Galore being that it made the last, uh, it kind of turned the last 10 years prior to that into something brand new. And then the album Blood Flowers sort of kept that momentum going as in, you know, it was sort of like the the disintegration for for us. And, and most of us had been listening to uh, things like, you know, the Smashing Pumpkins or Nine Inch Nails or, uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, if you can name off anything from the 90s. But, um, but Blood Flowers was kind of the... Uh, uh, kind of the the pinnacle of of all that. So with that being said, with all that being said, and the time and the and the with the time and the perspective of the time in the new generation of fans, I think we as fans clung to the album. Maybe in a way that uh Robert Smith himself wasn't expecting. <laughs> um because I can't tell you how many times he said that, oh, this is the last Cure album. He said that when they made Disintegration. He said that after they made Wish. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's said that quite a few times, and that and, and, he, and he said it quite a few times while they were touring for, uh, for Blood Flowers. And, uh, and the way that that tour sort of went on, it was this grandiose three-and-a-half-hour retrospective uh, type of show. They were playing things they hadn't done in years. And, and you look at all of that. Take, take all that in. All, uh, it really screams nostalgia. It really does. I mean, why, why, would, uh, why would Robert intentionally make a record that, that was very reminiscent of disintegration and had the sort of uh, darkness of, the, of, the, of pornography? It's very, very reminiscent. It's very, very nostalgic. So how does all this fit into the song? For starters, in 1999, Robert Smith turned 40. And I'm sure in his mind that was really old. And I'm sure in his mind he didn't expect to live that long. The majority of the record was made during the, the, the end of 98, most of 1999. 
And uh, when you listen to the lyrics on most of the songs, they are about getting older, and they're all they they are about realizing that um, time for him has has slowed down just a little bit. But it's also introspective and retrospective and all that. Sort of taking stock of everything. Last Day of Summer sort of follows like with what a lot of the record does about growing up, moving on, and getting older. And the line in the song, there's not very many lyrics to The Last Day of Summer. It's actually the 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 uh, the intro is like the majority of the, of the song, um, which is something, which is another sort of looking back thing. They did that a lot with, uh, you know, Kiss Me, Disintegration. Um, they would do these, these big, long, almost orchestral-like intros of the song, and then just, you know, the main part of the song was like only just the last part of the song. I mean, he needs an excuse to uh, play that six-string uh, baritone. But the lyric, it used to be so easy, and I never even tried. I mean, just that one line says it all. And I really think that the song, The Last Day of Summer, he's really trying to say that, um, you know, it really feels like now I, I'm older. Now I've gotten old. And now I actually have to, I don't just do these things out of out of habit. I have to try to do them now. I have to try to write songs. I have to try to be in The Cure. And I have to try to be myself. Because before that, uh, he never had problems with it. And I think that line in itself, I think it speaks volumes from the previous five years that uh, the the band themselves had endured um, because a lot a lot happened after uh, 1993. Uh, Boris Williams left the band, and uh, you know, the, in sometime in '94, and then uh, and then Pearl Thompson left the band again, sometime in '94, '95, and they were left to make uh, Wild Mood Swings uh, without these two very very important people. And Boris Williams and Pearl Thompson were very important to the making. Head on the door, kiss me, and disintegration, and wish. Um, they were very, very, very important. And here's Robert left also without, once again, without one of his best friends, without Lowell. Um, and he's saying it used to be so easy, and that and that he didn't even have to try. And I, I really think that that's why what. Wild mood swings is the way it is, and why it's so spastic and it's so up and down, and and it, uh, it it's like an emotional roller coaster. Is because I think for the first time he had to try to make a Cure album. He had to really, really try. And I know we're not talking about wild mood swings. Couldn't have, we can't have blood flowers without wild mood swings. So the line used to be so easy, and never even tried. I think it also refers to the way he dealt with his past, and which was not not dealing with it, not dealing with everything that had come before. Um, if you read Lull's book, it really uh, says that um, he would much rather just ignore things and move on and not deal with them head on. I think for also for the first time, Robert was dealing with his personal problems on a healthy level, 
rather than ignoring them. Which to me explains why you would go back to move forward. Blood Flowers is an album that has to go back to move forward. He, he went back to this, uh, to this sound, to this feeling, in this era, so he could move on. But, I mean, when you think about what is summertime? I mean, really, what is it? I mean, it's a season and all that, but... <clears throat> We also look at summertime in a very childlike manner, and it's also sort of it's sort of ingrained in our heads as a as a sort of a childlike time. It's a time of year we all look forward to. It's a time of year that brings about change. It's a time of year that uh, brings out a lot of happiness. It's a time of year where we try new things and do new things. It's also the time of year where we also look ahead and we try to move on. There's a lot of freedom. In summertime. And I think just the title alone, Last Day of Summer, but then he says the last day of summer never felt so cold and it never felt so old. I think what he's just really saying is that um, a lot of the freedom that he used to have is now gone. But he's not choosing to lose it. He's recognizing that it may have actually been gone a lot longer than he thought. And that this idea of summertime, this idea of freedom, uh, was never really there. And I think we all go through these periods where um, we think we're having just this amazing, amazing, whimsical experience, this amazing time, you know, and we're living in the now, and and it just can't get any better than this, and then... September hits and it's time to go back to school and 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 that's a real real bummer but but I really think that hits or something happens and everything slows down and you realize were we really having that much fun was it really that great or was I just ignoring something that was um you know was I just ignoring something was I just uh putting things off it's like doing summer reading you know you say you're gonna do it (laughs) And you actually have to do it. Or you just don't do it like I did. So that's my idea of this song. Um, and it's it's an important one. Considering it's in the middle of the record and all that. It's a very important one. But it, but it fits the... I mean, there's a reason why there's only nine songs on the record. Not that they're all long. But they all fit a certain theme. They all fit this this idea of getting older and growing up. And no longer ignoring your problems and no longer ignoring your past and actually having to move on and actually having to deal with things. Um, which is, a, a, I think, is a great and amazing thing. And I think that's why a lot of Cure fans in my age group really clung to this album because we would have, you know, uh, we would have been 17, 18, 19 at the, t- at the time when it came out. Um, and those are very important times in your life, uh, that that age. And as somebody who is nearing the age of 40 um, in a few years, it, it makes a lot, it makes a lot, it made a lot of sense to me at that age, and it makes even more sense to me now. No longer young. At least I, you know, I'm not, I'm not young, but I'm not old. Kind of in that midway part where, um, change is inevitable and change is going to happen whether you like it or not and you can ignore it and you can uh you know do things that you're not supposed to be doing to ignore it as a means of 
masking the inevitable. Um, but I always kind of look at it as sort of a, you're still living for now. You're still, you know, because really now is all you have. Now is all we got. And if you're not doing things for now, then what do you, what do you really have? And, and Robert Smith was never one to live in the past anyway. Anywho, uh, so that is my perspective on the song. The Last Day of Summer from the album Blood Flowers. So uh, thank you for listening. All right. Thank you so much, Kelly. Definitely appreciate you sending in some thoughts. Um, always great to hear from new people and uh, just nailed so many great perspectives on the head there and points. Um, really appreciate it. I like that idea of uh, maybe a slight shift from what I was saying where it doesn't have to be so doom and gloom right um you know we said many songs are relatable and that's what makes them so great is you can plug in your own situations to them and uh relatable doesn't always have to translate into sadness right so uh have to get through that to make it to the next level and uh yeah there's a lot of truth in that for sure so thank you so much and uh definitely feel free to send in your thoughts anytime kelly really appreciate it so we're going to shift gears on our next couple segments here to round out the show. And I'm happy to say we, we heard from our old friend Tyler. It's been forever since we heard from Tyler, it seems. So uh, great to have him back on the show. And um, we got a cool little list here. And uh, he wanted to send in a list of his top five underrated Cure songs. And um, initially I was like, oh, of course, because of Last Day of Summer, right? But I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. It's not on his list. So um, I figured we'd step aside. Cure Talk is always great. So let's listen to what Tyler has to say are the most underrated. I'm going to add on mine. I think Last Day of Summer is a great underrated Cure song. You know, I think among Cure fans and diehards, everyone kind of knows and loves Last Day of Summer. But on surface level, I think there's a lot of people out there that would love Last Day of Summer, but and just don't know to dig a little deeper and give it a chance. Give some of the later stuff a chance, you know? Because it isn't one that gets mentioned or referenced or covered a lot or anything like that. So on that level, I'm adding just part of my top five underrated Cure songs to fit the bill here of this episode, The Last Day of Summer. So um, let's hear what Tyler has instead and uh, take a little break from Last Day of Summer here for a minute and see what he thinks are the best underrated Cure songs. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Tyler King, and I wanted to do something a little bit, not necessarily unique, but something that I'll see every now and then, uh, people posting in various Cure groups, and everybody seems to have their own opinion on this, and so I just wanted to present mine, and that is five <clears throat> underrated songs by The Cure. Um... So while I was putting this list together, I was thinking that, yes, there are songs on some of their more big albums, like Disintegration, like Wish, songs like To Wish Impossible Things, songs like Last Dance, where they don't necessarily get mentioned as often as, you know, some of the bigger songs on those albums, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they're underrated. So in compiling this list, 
I really wanted to focus on songs that not only the songs themselves don't get mentioned very much, but they're not appreciated, if that makes sense. So I wanted to start it off on the title track from their 1984 album, The Top, The Top. And The Top is an album that, especially as of late, over the last four or five years, uh, Robert Smith and company have really warmed up much more to this album, to the point where they ended up performing all 10 songs from it during their uh, December shows at uh, Hammersmith? I want to say it was Hammersmith? Um, I forget. But before that, really the only song from the album that was played regularly was Shake Dog Shake. And the Top is an album that I am very opinionated on, uh, in case you heard the episode about The Top that I contributed to. You can, you can hear some of my thoughts on that. But I wanted to focus on the title track because I think that as far as pure emotion goes, it's probably the most emotional song on that album. And the second half of the top, which begins with the caterpillar, is just this almost perfect grouping of of songs and the way that the entire album kind of culminates with this slow burner of a song that doesn't really break through the angst and the emotion that you feel it's going to I, I think it's a very subversive song and it's it's always been a favorite song from the album for me. I can't really remember a time where I didn't enjoy it, besides maybe when I was first introduced to the top album as a whole. I really enjoy the percussion on it. I think that Andy Anderson just was great on that entire album. Um, I really enjoy the very sparse guitar work on it, and it really creates this very open atmosphere that a lot of the other songs on this album don't necessarily have. Um, I mean, The Empty World and Wailing Wall are probably the closest that the album comes to besides the title track. I want to say that the song is the end of an era, but honestly, the, the top, that album as a whole, really is its own era because you have this, this first few albums, Three Imaginary Boys, 17 Seconds, Faith, and Pornography, where you see this, the the evolution of the band getting darker, and then after the top you have the head on the door through maybe like Wish, which would be considered quote-unquote the heyday of the band, but the top song really is the closing chapter of this part of, of The Cure's tenure. And while there are songs on it that I think get mentioned even less, songs like Wailing Wall or The Empty World or, um, or Banana Fishbones, I say that The Top is without a doubt my, my, my favorite song of theirs from that album. The next song that I wanted to talk about 
Uh, number two on my list is watching me fall. And a lot of people will talk about Blood Flowers, especially because Robert Smith has linked it to the album's disintegration in pornography as far as this conceptual trilogy that the band did. And so people will talk about the album Blood Flowers, but I don't necessarily see a lot of people talk about the individual songs on Blood Flowers. And when they do, it's usually something like the title track or 39 or Out of This World or maybe Someday, which are all great songs. And I think that the album, I mean, and, and this is a, a common agreement, definitely the album is, is the band's strongest since... I would say since disintegration, um, but watching me fall gets very rarely mentioned. I think part of it has to do with the fact of it's so long. Uh, next to Carnage Visors and Airlock, the two soundtracks that they've done, I I want to say that watching me fall is the longest song that the band's recorded. It just all works for me and it, it doesn't feel like it's 11 minutes long when I when I listen to it the guitar playing on it is great I, I really do think that the the playing between Robert Smith and and Perry is something that was not necessarily it wasn't it wasn't really fully appreciated um a lot of people talk about the guitar work of Porl Thompson. They talk about the guitar work of Reeves Gabrels, and both of them are great, but I, I do think that Perry is a very underrated guitarist, especially when it comes to his time in The Cure. The, the other really... The other thing about this song that I like a lot is the drumming, um, which I'm not really the biggest fan of Jason Cooper, but... The percussion on the song, especially when you get those moments where the guitar just goes absolutely crazy, the drums are never, they're never distracting like they are on some other songs of theirs, particularly from their self-titled or the 413 Dream album. And I also just love the lyrics on here. I mean, Robert Smith has always done a very good job when it comes to painting a picture on songs, I mean, like Siamese Twins or Pictures of You, um, and that's just the two examples that, that immediately come to mind. But on Watching Me Fall, the story that he tells is just this very intoxicating, treacherous, uh, very tense song. Um, I, I, I do wish that there was more more love for this song. And I do wish that people talked a lot more about the Bloodflowers album as a whole. Um, it definitely has a mood and there there aren't really any any bad songs on it, which isn't really anything I can say about any of their other songs since, I mean, really since Boris Williams left the band, but I would say that post, post Wish, uh, Watching Me Fall is my, my single favorite song that the band has done since 1992.
For the number three spot on my underrated songs list, I, I actually wanted to do a tie. And it's it's for it, it's two songs and they both appear as the B-side of Love Song. And so of course those are going to be the songs Too Late and Fear of Ghosts. And I love them both because I feel like they should have appeared on Disintegration, but I know that if they had, the flow of the album would have been really weird. Because with Too Late, you have this very short, concentrated pop song, and with Fear of Ghosts, you have this almost neo-psychedelic dirge that goes on and on, and it's all about the intro on this song. And it's like that with a lot of the songs on Disintegration. Uh, Fascination Street immediately comes to mind, as does Close Down, but I think that putting Fear of Ghosts on the album would have tipped it more into the ethereal zone that songs like Love Song or Fascination Street help to keep that album out of. With Too Late, I really love the keyboard work on it. I really love the drumming on it. I really love the lyrics on it. It is just such a short, sweet, and to-the-point pop song. I, I, I almost wish that in another world this could have been a single by the band because it it is quote-unquote single material. With Fear of Ghosts, my love of it is for a completely different reason in that I just love the mood that it creates. I think that it is this very claustrophobic, kaleidoscopic, monotonous, repeating piece of music. Uh, I, I The guitar work on it is great. The drumming on it, I mean, there's not one thing about this song that I do not enjoy. And It's, it's just very difficult to put into words my appreciation of both of these songs to the point where I, I prefer both of them over the A-side. Um, Love Song to me has always been one of the lesser songs on Disintegration to me, uh, which, isn't, which is not to say that it's a bad song because I do enjoy it, but both of its B-sides are just so phenomenally good. Um, and when people talk about B-sides by the band, of course, they'll mention 1015 Saturday Night, um, This Twilight Garden, The Exploding Boy, but I do think that Too Late and Fear of Ghosts are arguably the band's two best B-sides, and it's just a weird coincidence that they both happen to be the B-side of the same single. The next underrated song that I wanted to talk about is one that I I can't even remember the last time that I even ever heard anybody talk about it. And that is The Scream from the band's 2008 album 413 Dream. As it stands right now, it's the band's most, most recent album. Uh, we'll see if that changes within the next year or so, fingers crossed. And The Scream is, for me... It's the last song on the album that I really enjoy. Um, Underneath the Stars is great. 
The Hungry Ghost, Switch, um, The Perfect Boy, I think, is, is very sweet. But with the scream, especially how the song opens up, it almost lures you into this, I, I don't want to say false sense of security, but it lulls you in into thinking that it's going to be this very subdued song that has some anxiety riddled throughout it. And then all of a sudden, right around the three quarters mark or so, when Robert Smith just yells the word scream and it just becomes this larger than life moment and the squalling wailing guitars just come in out of nowhere and the song just erupts outward it is one of my favorite moments on that entire album uh i i do admit and i do agree that the mixing and mastering on the album is not the best i really do think that this song I mean, as well as every other song on the album, it, it, it really was not given proper justice on the album. And I really do wish that more songs from this album were played live. Uh, I mean, this one particularly, because I think that it has such a... It's, it's had such an opportunity to be a mainstay in the band's set instead of something like Want or Wrong Number, uh, which are, both of those are great songs, but I would just love to see the band pull this out of their hat and just go crazy with this, especially with Reeves on guitar now. Um, and so that is my number four pick. And my number five pick is another song from the band's last few albums, and this is one that, I mean, much like The Scream, I, I very rarely, if ever, see it get mentioned. Um, and that is what was the second or third single from the album, which is Taking Off. I, I appreciate The End of the World, and I appreciate Alt.End, but for me, Taking Off is the best single from the album. I, I think that it really does harken back to the band's heydays. It reminds me of songs like Just Like Heaven or In Between Days, and that is this very pure, fun pop song. The lyrics are, from, from what I get, they do seem very personal for Robert. I love the keyboard work on here by Roger. I think that as far as the keyboards go, this song and maybe Lost are the two best moments of keyboard playing on the entire album. Um, Jason's drumming is good, again. Um, and just the, the entire band sounds very refreshed on this song. I think that another reason why the song stands out so much to me is just because of the rest of the songs on the album for the most part are more dour they are more grim uh songs like never or us or them or anniversary or labyrinth i mean the the only other song on here that i can think of that just has this very like bubblegum sound to it is before three but 
I really do think that taking off holds its own, and I really wish that it could be appreciated in the same way that some of the band's more popular singles were. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite song on the album, but if I had to make a list of maybe eight or nine songs that have been released since the band's, you know, I keep saying heyday, but since they were at their most popular, pretty much like Wish, like since Wish came out, this would probably be in my top five or six songs that they've released since then. Um, the reason why I haven't mentioned some of my other favorite songs is because I do think that they get mentioned often enough for me to not warrant them as being underrated or overlooked the same way that something like Taking Off is. So, in conclusion, top five underrated songs. Number one is The Top. Number two, Watching Me Fall. Number three, Toss Up Between Too Late and Fear of Ghosts. Number four, The Scream. Number five, Taking Off. Uh, this is Tyler King again. Uh, and thank you for having me on the program again. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much, Tyler. So great to hear from you again and really appreciate you sending in your thoughts and that idea. I should have saved this for a whole episode. We could have gone on and on about this, but uh, fun to squeeze you in here on the last day of summer. And um, yeah, pretty cool. What do you think, guys? What are your top five underrated Cure songs? You can put that in the thread for this episode, too. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Would Last Day of Summer be on your list? Maybe you feel like that gets a, enough praise as it is. Most people are always like, well, how can you hate blood flowers? Last Day of Summer, right? So um, so maybe it does get enough praise. But just thinking back on Tyler's list right there, I'm pretty much in agreement with all that. Definitely the top the song um, is one of the shining moments for the top album. I know a lot of people go back and forth on top as a whole, but uh, that song, I do love that song. It's so many great like one-liners that uh, could be their own whole song. You could send around some great lyrics of that and just that feel. It's a really cool, um, underrated song. Yeah, that it surprisingly isn't in the set list more often. So um, even Caterpillar, like you said, and a lot of stuff from the top doesn't really pop up much, uh, not until fairly recent years. Um, you know, there was a long drought of even having Caterpillar in set lists there. But, um, yeah, so the top, Watching Me Fall, I uh, go back and forth on. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that more specifically as we approach Blood Flowers. But it is a cool song. I think too long, personally. I, w I would like a shorter version. But that's just an opinion thing. And it is a cool tune and definitely doesn't get uh, enough attention, as you said. Uh, too Late and Fear of Ghost, definitely great B-sides. Um Hard to say, I would almost feel like Too Late gets a, a lot of praise in the category of like, you know, Exploding Boy and Halo and all those kind of jams, Twilight Garden that everybody kind of has their top five B-sides and I think Too Late might be in that a lot. Fear Ghost is a is a unique one because that is one that people don't really ever praise, but uh, I get it. Definitely has a cool mood to that song and, uh, and then the last two for more recent albums, Scream... Uh, which I'm not totally on board with, but I definitely dig that you like it. And uh, Taking Off is a shining moment on the self-titled album as well. Yeah, I, I don't know what my top five would be, uh, just for the sake of 
quick off the top of my head. Um, I think it is cool to focus on some of the later albums because a lot of there are some cool gems kind of buried in those later albums that definitely don't come up. Uh, Last Day of Summer, sure, why not? Let's put that in there. Um, I definitely think Treasure, getting all wild mood swings coming up here. I've been listening to those a lot. I think Treasure is an amazing song. Um, let's see, where are some other underrated ones? Some of those ones like from uh, like Upstairs Room off of Japanese Whispers, I feel like is always a cool song that never really comes up in that much praise of the cure um aside from that uh weird ones thousand hours i always feel like is a great one that um you know people love but it never really gets like brought up as or heard on many things you know so uh thousand hours and what am am i missing one more let's go with uh i always love sugar girl i'm not sure why but i love that fucking song uh so i'll say that that's an underrated one But yeah, I could probably spend all day fine-tuning that, as many of you would love to do, I'm sure. Um, Cure fans love doing stuff like this. But anyway, let's wrap this on up now. We're saying goodbye to the summer of 2018. We have one more segment that I'll sign off with you guys on this, and uh, it's our friend Coulter. Uh, He's been kind enough to send in some words, and we got a twist ending here, kind of like Tyler. We didn't take the textbook definition of tell me what you think of last day of summer instead he kind of spins the whole thing to uh cure summer the last day of a awesome cure summer in 2018 a lot of historic stuff went down this summer big cure news and uh, a lot of just personal cure stuff for Coulter too so we're gonna sign off with a little segment from him wrapping up his thoughts on cure in summer 2018. What do you got, Coulter? Hey guys, it's Coulter. Hope everybody had a good summer. Um, mine was pretty good. I work in education, so I got kind of got the summer off. I had to go in a lot and uh, you know do some office work and stuff like that. So, but my summer was good. Um, I live in Phoenix, and so summer technically is not over. The last day of summer here is like Christmas. Just kidding. It'll start to get a little bit cooler, like around Halloween, probably. Start to maybe, you know, high, high 70s or something at that point. But anyways, um, a lot of cure-related stuff has happened this summer, and so that's good. You know, it feels like since the 2016 tour, they've become a little bit more relevant. There's hope for future tours and material, and um, I don't know. leaves you wanting more, right? After a 413 Dream, it just seemed like, you know, there was really... Like, they were a band... But they would play festivals here and there or whatever, but it just, you know, same old, same old, nothing really happening. Just rumors of, oh, you know, 414 Scream would be a thing. All that stuff that we hear over and over. Um, But going back to, like, April, we had Record Store Day, um, Torn Down, and I've listened to that. I listened to it pretty heavily at first, and then it kind of felt like a novelty thing where it was like, okay, this is great. And it's a good album, but I'm ready for new, new material. Um, and I've tried to lately, because there was a stretch where I kind of stopped listening to it, I'm trying to get into the songs that I wasn't into initially. Um, but talking, or speaking of The Last Day of Summer, that's probably my my favorite mix off of that album. I felt like it did a good job of mixing it up and making it a little bit different without detracting from, you know, the, the song itself. There were some on there where it seemed like there was parts that were a little bit excessive or... I don't know, maybe certain songs could have done better, but I think I just need to give it some more lessons and, and let things grow on me. Um, 
Uh, this summer cure related, we had the Hyde Park show. We had curation, meltdown. I'm a little envious of people I saw coming from the states over to go and be a part of that, but I don't have the means to <laughs> to do that financially or you know all that stuff. So, but I, I tried to watch some of it on Facebook Live. A friend and I tried to to do that and for for the Hyde Park show. And we watched some of it, and it didn't really seem like it was too different from, you know, stuff they must have played and rehearsed from the 2016 tour. But always good to see them touring and, and um, to, to be relevant at this time, and we're pretty fortunate for that. So really that was it curated this summer. Oh, they just announced the South Africa show, which from what I understand, it'll be the first time that they will be playing there. So hopefully that brings up their tour dates. Especially to the States. I know all of us here in the States are hoping that they come back and we can see them again. Because uh, when I went, I don't want to go into it too much, but my friend and I, we weren't sure if we'd be able to go at first. Because they didn't play Phoenix. The, the closest thing for us was um, San Diego or Chula Vista. And, um, you know, we weren't sure at first if we could go. So we ended up getting, like, seats higher up. And we we wanted to stand. It was like, this is the cure. Like, you stand and... and I don't know, everyone else was sitting down, and it was an interesting situation. So if I could go back and do it again, I would have gotten, you know, my, my tickets a lot lower and been with my own people, I guess. I don't know, because it felt like the people were around. There were some good people, but it, there were people that were, like, sitting, and they were probably like, play that one song I know, you know? And it was like, okay, like... And we were making jokes that we were like, you know, they played Jupiter Crash. I was like, yeah, Jupiter Crash. And people were like, sit down, like... They're just playing wild mood swing stuff. Like, you don't need to be standing, but... I don't know. We had fun, and hopefully, yeah, like I said, hopefully there's announcements of, of more shows, and we're, we're fortunate for whatever they get. But anyways, um, Cure-related stuff for me. Personally, this this summer, there was a Cure versus the Smiths dance party here in, in Phoenix that Lowell was actually, like, the DJ for. My wife and I went. Yeah, somehow I talked her into going. She's not much of a Cure fan. But I listened to her, Taylor Swift, and... I'm going to call it garbage, but it's not exactly my favorite stuff. I listen to her stuff, and I like some of it, and I try to get her into the cure, and I think she likes some of it, but whatever. Anyway, she came with me, and we, we stayed for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and um, it was, I was really just wanted to see what it was all about. If you paid extra, you could get, like, the, you know, Lowell's book and have them sign it, and I was like, I don't want to pay extra for that. I just wanted to go and then and then think, hopefully, you know, Lowell would be walking around or there'd be a chance to meet him. And I was asking Gavin, like, you know, if I do get to meet him, what would be, like, a good thing to have signed? And I think we kind of settled on, like, um, like Faith, you know, because he was pretty integral. And, and that's such a good album. But anyways, I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't even see him there. Like, there was somebody up there doing the music, but... Um, never really talked in the whole time that I was there. We'll come to find out later uh, from the Facebook page. Someone was like, that was there. That was, you know, that was Lowell the whole time. And I don't remember what else they said. But the whole time I was there, he never never talked or said anything. But I guess it, it makes sense it was him because the, the Cure material that was played was head on the door earlier. And he did a good job of, like, playing enough Smith stuff. I felt like too much Smith stuff, in, in my opinion. And then there was a lot of just random 80s stuff, too. But... Interesting experience. I mainly went because I wanted to see what it was all about. Um, and then aside from that, my friend and I, who, friend who got me into The Cure, um, we went to this show for a tribute band called The Cured, 
which I think Gavin talked about them in an episode. He went and saw them. I think he saw them on like Halloween or something, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, my friend and I went, and it was actually during this 80s night thing where like U2 cover band and Duran Duran cover band played. And, you know, I went for the Cured, but honestly, I felt like the U2 and the Duran Duran cover band were, were better. The Cured band, they came on last. A lot of people had left at that time, and so that kind of took away from the atmosphere, I guess. And they did the whole, like, wearing wigs, and they played mainly the hits. And I actually took a video for Facebook Live, and a lot of people were bashing on the guy, like, the voice, and just... But it was still fun, you know? It was still... They were playing the Cured stuff, and even though he didn't sound just like Robert, it was, you know chance to sing along and, and to just hear cure stuff but they mainly played hits and um i mean they opened with the kiss and i think aside from that everything was pretty much you know stuff you'd, you'd find on galore or something and he was kind of witty he spoke more than robert would which i think pretty much any would robert you know usually just some inaudible something that i have a hard time understanding, or he'll say that, you know, thank you, like, after every song. But this guy was like, he played something off of Head on the Door, and he said, out of all the albums, this is one of them. You know, he kind of had, like, dry, witty humor. But he kept bashing on Blood Flowers, which kind of upset me, given it's my, my personal favorite album. Um, it was like, if we were, if we didn't dance more, weren't, you know, doing what he asked us to do, um, that he was going to play something off of Blood Flowers. And I was personally like, okay, like, that sounds good to me, which never happened. And another joke he kind of made before he played, uh, before they went into to Fred Am and Love and they didn't really say what song they were going to be playing, he just went, I'm going to play a song so rare, like this is just for the diehard Cure fans, it can only be fine off the German import vinyl, it's like a red color vinyl, and I'm just like in my head, like what is he going to play, is this like to the sky, like what could be that rare, and then they play Fred Am and Love, and it's like, okay, um, that was it. That was it really this summer for me personally, that Cure vs. the Smith's Dance Party and that Cured Band. Well, speaking of the Cured Band, um, this band I saw last year called The Curse. If you guys, if anyone ever gets a, a chance to to see them or look them up, please do. The the guy, um, the, the lead singer, he just does a really good job. Sounds a lot like Robert. I, as far as I remember, they're not wearing wigs. Their attire, you know, kind of matches the, the mood or whatever, but they played for... Close to like three hours, just like the Cure would. Uh, I want to say their set list for when I went and some was like mm, 31, 32 songs. And they played Funeral Party, All Cats Are Gray, uh, Exploding Boy, uh, Banana Fish Bones. Like it was a pretty, pretty good mix of, of popular songs and rare stuff for the diehard Cure fans. And um, I think they mainly played the Southwest. They're from California. I've been talking to the guy and keep at pestering him like when he's going to come back to Phoenix because it's just it was really good. But anyways, like I said, my summer was good. I hope everyone else had a good summer. I look forward to new news from The Cure and new episodes of, of The Holy Hour. I'm excited to hear about, you know, to hear Wild Mood Swings and everything later and, and the stuff in between. And I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you, Coulter. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to stuff on the horizon. This later day Cure stuff will be fun to approach as uh as we move forward and um yeah thanks so much uh for for sharing and uh what an epic summer it has been we haven't really had a chance to address too much of that um just because i didn't make it to hyde park either or uh curation so i didn't want to just do a whole episode of uh me pining for it and um and uh just be like oh man wish i was there so um 
Yeah, congrats to everybody that made it out to those shows, and uh, you know, pretty historic summer indeed, and uh, and great things are on the horizon. So congratulations to all you out there that have acquired tickets for South Africa too. So um, that's bound to be pretty epic, and hopefully this time next summer we'll all be sharing Cure stories from all over the globe and uh, listening to that new album and, uh, you know, just in cure heaven. So who knows? That's what you got to love about this band. You never know what's around the corner. And uh, until then, we're moving onward. Wild mood swings. Here we come, guys. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for for uh, listening. Thank you to Coulter for sending it in. And thank you to Kelly for uh, contributing to the show. Thanks to Bella for writing in. And thanks so much to Tyler, of course. As always, great to hear you again, Tyler. And um, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Yes, that's where you can find all the Holy Hour episodes. I'm not sure what's up with those past episodes. I need to check again, but there's a ton on there still. But uh uh, apparently some of those old ones are still in flux, but they will be back, they promise. So um, if you haven't heard the early, early days of this show, uh, just try to be patient or go to Podcast Garden and you can find the whole lot there. All 80, whatever we're at now, 87 episodes, 88. But more importantly, go on over to Instagram, follow the Holy Hour podcast. You'll find tidbits on upcoming episodes as well as all the latest scoop. And uh, we do have a Facebook page where we have little videos and stuff that accompany each episode so you can start a specific thread going on the Facebook page there and uh, also catch all the latest scoop and contact me from the Facebook page or um, directly at gavinconnor at gmail.com and something that I haven't made clear in a little while but anybody out there you know we always say we want contributions or if you want to just record yourself talking any random thought will fit it in and that all still stands but also we haven't had just random conversations of you and your friends out there. It doesn't have to involve me or Bad Boy or Chaz or any of the, the usuals that you hear on this show. But um, if you're out there and you got a Cure buddy and you just want to, all it takes just your little voice memo on your phone even. Um, if you have something a little higher quality, great. But, you know, it doesn't take much. Just hit your little voice recorder. Uh, guys, just chatting it up, you know, about the Cure. Any, uh... Try to convert your friend if they don't even like the cure. We love to hear the negative side on everything, too, on this show. So, um, yeah, feel free to record that and send that to me anytime. We would love to make that a whole episode of just you and your friends talking cure. Um, it could be whatever theme you want. So uh, just know that that's out there and the offer still stands. Um, and otherwise, you know, that's about all for now. Onward to Wild Mood Swings. It's going to be some good episodes on the horizon. Be sure to uh, check out our friend Chaz's website where he has some awesome Cure shirts for sale. Uh, they're unique. They're, you know, when they're gone, they're gone a lot of times too. So you got to keep your eyes peeled. So go check those out at 17seconds.bigcartel.com. You can actually catch all the latest scoop too on his Instagram of 17 underscore seconds. And, uh, yeah, so lots of, lots of cool stuff out there. Arusha's upcoming film, Push, a Cure Fan Documentary. You can go on over to Cure Fan Documentary and, uh, check in on that and see what, how any updates are going on that. And, um, and, uh, and of course, RemixGifts.com, where you can also buy Chaz's shirts, along with, uh, countless other cool 
cure and non-cure related products. So until then, we'll catch you soon. I've been Gavin. This has been the Holy Hour Podcast. So long, summer of 2018. You've been hot. You've been sticky. We've had some good times. We had some hot and sticky times. You had a lot of bugs. So many bugs this summer. But uh, you need to just cool out, man. Cool out. And uh, until then, talk hard.